and welcome back to Murders, Mysteries, and Meows. I'm June. I'm Sam. And as you can tell, we have a guest co-host today. Um, and today we will be talking about the Cecil Hotel, or the Hotel Cecil. It's called both. Have you ever heard of that, Sam? No, but it makes me think of a, a certain hotel from a fictional series. Aha, it should. Should it? Mm-hmm. I feel like I should know this, but I don't. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No worries. Okay, so the hotel was built in downtown LA in 1927 for a cost of $1 million, which is about $14.7 million in 2020. So it had very opulent marble lobby, stained glass window, alabaster statues. It was very fancy. It was meant to be designed to be very European and very fancy to try and get um, the upscale market. Uh, It had trouble when the recession hit in 1929, but then it became somewhat fashionable again in the 40s. However, Skid Row then happened. And so once Skid Row started to come around the area, it definitely began to go downhill. In the 50s, it became known as a residence for transients, um, traveling salespeople, somebody who just had a couple bucks for a night. In 2011, the name was changed to Stay on Main, but it's still frequently called the Cecil Hotel. It is known for being somewhat spooky and haunted. In 1931, it gained a reputation for suicides and violence. A couple interesting facts are, um, are you familiar with the name Richard Ramirez? Yes. Okay, he stayed there in 1985 during oh, wow. several of his murders. Mm-hmm. And one of the That's reasons he stayed there... Yeah, I know. And one of the reasons he stayed there was because people didn't pay attention to what was going on around or what anybody was up to. So he could discard bloody clothes and walk through the hotel half naked or in his underwear. Nobody would really give it a second thought. And have you heard of Jack Unterweger? Uh, say the name one more time for me. Jack Unterweger? Unterweger? I'm not positive of the pronunciation. Uh, no, that one doesn't ring a bell. Okay. He was another serial killer who stayed there. Um, I've heard it said because he knew that Richard Ramirez got away with murder while he stayed there. He was um, actually a pretty interesting guy, too. He was committed for murder in Austria because he killed somebody, so he was sentenced to life in prison. However, while he was in prison, he started writing, and he became the darling of the literati, I think is what he's quoted as being in several different places. And everybody's talking about how good of an author he is and how much he's overcome and how he's proven that people who have done terrible things can really turn their lives around and become a boon to society and that they really can become good people and can fix their lives. So um, he was let out of prison. Uh, He then went on to murder 11, 12 more people um, in Austria and in the States because he was turning everywhere, showing off his book and talking about uh, the writing that he'd done. I've forget exactly what it was. I think it was basically about being in prison and living in prison and how that had changed him. So he even actually went on ride-alongs in LA in the red light district where he was committing murders. He went on ride-alongs with the police to talk about or to see the difference in prostitution areas in Austria and in the States, specifically in LA. Mm -hmm. So it's like, damn, dude. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Like, uh, yeah. Once a murderer, always a murderer. I'm sure that some people, like, it really, I'm sure it depends on everything, but yeah, when you've done something like that, you don't typically just stop. No. 
especially because so many people clamored for him to be let out. Um, Elizabeth Short, also known as the Black Dahlia, was rumored to have spent time in here, but it was, it, um, she actually spent time at the Biltmore, which was like half a mile away, so she didn't actually frequent the Hotel Cecil. Some people rumored that she did, though. It wouldn't be unlikely. Yeah, I mean, it was, but I know that she did spend time at the Biltmore, and that was noted that she would frequent that area. So I think people might just get it confused. Perhaps. So, according to Wikipedia, here are some of the deaths. November of 1931, a man ingested poison capsules in his room. In September of 1932, a man shot himself in the head. In July of 1934, an army medical corps sergeant uh, slashed his throat with a razor. He left several suicide notes, one of which listed poor health as a reason. In March of 1937, a woman fell from the ninth story, and it was she fell through telephone wires, and then later died. Apparently, she didn't die from the fall, which is pretty incredible. Uh, police couldn't tell if it was accident or suicide. In January of 1938, a uh, Marine Corps fireman jumped from the top floors and was found on the skylight of a neighboring building after staying at the Cecil for a couple of weeks. In May of 1939, a Navy officer ingested poison in his room. In January of 1940, a teacher ingested poison in her room, uh, but she was said to be near death and no actual follow-up was listed, so we're not sure if she died or not. In September of 1944, Dorothy Jean Purcell, who was 19, sharing a room with her uh, 38-year-old boyfriend, went into labor. She didn't realize she was pregnant, apparently, and didn't want to wake up her boyfriend, so she apparently thought it was uh, stillborn, so she threw it out the window. Oh, wow. Yeah, that one's pretty horrible. I was like, what the hell? Uh, it was later decided that he hadn't been stillborn and that the fall had killed him, but she was, um, the psychiatrist ruled her as not competent to stand trial. Oh, wow. In November, yeah. In November of 1947, a man died after jumping out of a seventh floor window. In October of 1954, a stationary employee jumped from the window on the seventh floor again and landed on the marquee. A week to that, she had registered under a false name at the hotel. In February of 1962, a woman jumped from the eighth floor and did not leave a suicide note. However, one thing that was interesting is that she had a bus ticket, 59 cents, in her pockets, and an Illinois bank book, which had a balance of $1,800, which in 2020 is almost $16,000. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's like, Damn. So clearly, or likely, it seems that money would not have been the reason for that. No, not in this case. This one is tragic, but also kind of funny, but really sad. In October of 1962, a 27-year-old woman jumped from the window of her ninth floor after having an argument with her husband. He left the room, and after she jumped, she landed on a pedestrian. That's... That's ironically funny. I know. Like, it's like, what? How did the pedestrian turn out? Are they okay? No, he's dead. Killing both oh, of them instantly. No. I know. That's why it's like sad, but almost funny, but not. That poor person. They're just minding their own business and then splat. Yeah. Uh. I know. I know. <laughs> I feel bad for laughing, but. I know. Me too. What I saw can that. I you like, do? Uh. I know. Apparently, they, uh, the police first at first thought they had jumped together, 
However, the guy had his hands in his pockets and his shoes were on, and it was determined that neither of those would have been a likely scenario if he'd jumped. Yeah. Could you imagine yeah. someone jumping out of a window, though, with their and hands landing in their pockets? landing on somebody? Yeah. You no, know, just with their hands in the pockets, like, I accept this. This is how yeah. I go. Might as well make it look weird or something. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. I feel like your hands just would flail on their own. I think just have it or something. Like, instinct. I know. It's like, ah, just gonna put my hand in the pocket and just jump out. Yeah. And then the shoes, like, why would... Is it say what kind of shoes they wear? I'm like, if I'm wearing sneakers, I don't think they're gonna bounce off. But I don't know. Like, if they're slip-on shoes or something, I could see them coming off, but didn't specify what shoes he was wearing. No. In June of 1964, a woman named Pigeon Goldie... Uh, who was a retired telephone operator, was found dead in her room, having been raped, stabbed, and beaten. She was known as Pigeon Goody, or Pigeon Goldie, I'm sorry, because she fed nearby uh, birds in Pershing Square. man was arrested while he was wearing bloody clothing, but he was later cleared. In December of 1975, a woman jumped from the 12th floor and landed on the 2nd floor roof. September of 92, a black male was found deceased in the alley. Uh, it is unsure if he fell, jumped, or was pushed from the 15th floor. How they know it's the 15th floor, I don't know. Uh, he was between 20 and 32 years old, so it sounds like they aren't sure who he was completely. In February of 2013, Elisa Lam was found. That'll be the topic of our main conversation. And in June of 2015, a 20-year-old male was found. Cause of death is undetermined. Hmm. So anyway, the story of Elisa Lam, which was the one that's the that's grabbed all the headlines. Uh, I, one thing I didn't realize is... She was actually on her way to Santa Cruz after she left LA. She was going to stop by in Santa Cruz on her way to San Francisco. Santa Cruz is my hometown, so I hadn't realized that. It's like, oh. Oh, yeah. The name sounds <laughs> familiar. I think I may be getting this confused with someone else, but I, I don't know. I'll just let you tell me the story before I go on my assumptions. <laughs> okay. So one of the main questions to some extent that I have is, uh, why did people become so obsessed with this case? Actually, I'm going to pause it for a moment, and I'm going to send you a video to have you watch. Okay. Okay. And we're back. So yeah, this this was definitely the one I was thinking of. Uh, I just, I get names and places confused a lot. Mm -hmm. So not that long ago, um, my housemates and I were talking about this. They showed me this video, this surveillance, and uh, filled me in kind of on it. <laughs> when they were talking about uh, this hotel and this particular case, because the house I live in, we're all a bunch of paranormal investigators, and we were just really caught by this this particular incident. Gotcha. So, what they, what they tell you? Uh, we watched, uh, I think it was like a BuzzFeed Mysteries video on it, where they kind of go in into, uh, they show the footage, and then they show some of the stills of where her body was found in the video mm -hmm. and talk about that. Mm -hmm. And and we were just all trying to kind of come up with our own conspiracy theory about what had happened and how she made it up there and what could have caused it, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Well, what did, what did you guys come up with or what do you think? I think, I mean, it's definitely bizarre behavior, but it also, with the hotel's history, I mean, obviously I said we're 
like I said, we're paranormal investigators here, so we, some of us are a little bit more on the skeptical side, and some of us are a little bit more inclined to believe in, like, ghosts and the paranormal and such. And the conclusion we kind of all came to was that, you know, the hotel, we believe, is strongly haunted based on its history. And we just believe that, you know, something in there could have influenced her to, uh, to do these kinds of actions and that she was kind of behaving oddly because, you know, maybe she encountered something that was, I don't want to say after her, but kind of stalking her, maybe. Okay. Yeah, there's a bunch of different theories. Yeah. That was kind of the general consensus, was that it's something not of this world that was interacting with her, so to speak. Okay. Yeah. I'll make sure that the link is included when I upload the... When this is loaded, that, that way people can watch the link as well if they haven't seen it or want a refresher. Uh, so yeah, she was last seen on January 31st. Her parents got worried when she didn't call them in February on the 1st because she'd been really good about calling every day. And they finally got the police and other hotel people to start looking into where she was. But because it was just a missing person, you know, a missing adult, they couldn't search rooms or do much other than ask around and say, hey, does anybody know anything? Has anybody seen her? Mm-hmm. Yeah. His name is Ben. He likes to murr meow. Girl cat got evicted. (laughs) I can't evict the cats. So if you hear (laughs) random murr meowing in the background, you know why. Well, hey, a podcast is called Murders, Mysteries, and Meows. So So, yeah, it was... uh, They released the video showing her erotic behavior. She's, you know, going in and out of the elevator. She seems to be talking to herself. She's putting buttons... She looks like she's looking up and down the hallway. And it was really hard for people watching it were, like, really confused. Like, what is going on here? That, those were my thoughts exactly the first time I watched that clip. I was like... Yeah. I literally kind of jokingly but also kind of seriously said to my roommates, I was like, is she possessed? <laughs> like, what is happening? Yeah, apparently she had been moved to a solar room. She was staying in a hostel-type room. So she had a couple of roommates. She got moved to a solar room because of her odd behavior although it is never listed what said behavior was and watching that behavior especially knowing that that's the last video of her is you know before she's found dead is pretty unnerving it is so a couple things that i didn't know about until i really started looking into this um one of the things is she was bipolar diagnosed and a big factor was she didn't have her meds all of her meds in her system so she only had some of her medications that she'd been taking. Yeah, and depending on the medication and the dosage, missing missing meds could uh, cause different forms of psychosis. Because mm-hmm. she was taking the antidepressants, which can cause mania, and she was not taking the mood stabilizers. So that can definitely be a contributing factor to causing psychosis and potentially actions... Like what we saw in the elevator. And a good thing to point out, uh, you know, just on my belief of her, her disappearance and untimely suspicious death, mm-hmm. is that uh, when it does come to different kind of paranormal things, they are 
or tend to be attracted to more mentally unstable people. Mm-hmm. Don't know why that is particularly. Maybe they're just easier targets because they can't differentiate when something's not exactly right or explain why. I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. It's one of those things that people could have many theories on, but that was definitely one of the things that spoke to me when uh, I was hearing about her case. Yeah. And you and I both have experience with mental health issues, so we have a pretty good understanding of how that can affect the mind. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, so the cause of death, according to the autopsy, was uh, drowning with bipolar disorder as a significant factor, due to the fact that her meds weren't the prescribed levels in her blood when it was tested. She didn't have any other drugs in her system, like she had Advil, maybe Sudafed or something, like just a standard over-the-counter, something that wouldn't be likely to cause that. She didn't have any other drugs in her system. But what I learned when I was reading about it is that we all, everyone's like, oh man, she's pressing all those buttons, the elevator won't close, that's so freaky, what's going on? Uh, Apparently people who are familiar with elevators said that in an elevator like that, one of the buttons she pushed was the um, service button. If you push that, the doors won't close for about two minutes. So that's what that's what I was wondering. I was like, did she push a service button or something? I couldn't tell because, yeah. you know, it's, it's so a blurry. surveillance video. It's hard yeah. to tell. But that's that was my assumption that she pushed something like that. But I actually didn't yeah. know that it would stop the doors from closing for that amount of time. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, walking in and out will also keep doors from closing. Yeah. But the fact that it was two minutes and that was about the length of the video, it's like, huh, that makes a lot of sense. So that makes one paranormal thing potentially less likely or what yeah. haunting. And I wonder if she knew or had heard about any of the hauntings or creepy stuff in the hotel and that played into her mind. It could be a big thing when, you know, even just studying the paranormal is knowing that your brain, if you hype yourself up enough to something, your brain will be tricked into thinking that something is real. The uh, same thing with how our brain naturally picks out faces and stuff and tries to uh, put the pieces together that way. So, like, you see faces and photos and stuff and assume that it's a ghost when it could just be, you know, different shades of lighting and stuff. Mm-hmm. Your yeah, brain will be tricked into many things like that. And it's just yeah. it's easy to, you know, you go into a haunted place and you're like, okay, I know it's haunted. I know there's a ghost here. And then, you know, every creak and crack you think might be a ghost and you'll just be on edge the whole time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And if then you're not on your meds, you go into a state of manic or psychosis, then that'll really mess with you. It amplifies it. Mm-hmm. So she basically just disappeared and people were looking for her around the hotel. Apparently they're... One of the other things people talk about is how'd you get up there? How'd you get up there? The doors are all closed and they won't open without a pass and the alarm goes off. It's like, well, one, you can get up there via the fire escape, which people did prove by doing it. And two, very often hotel employees will prop doors so they can go up there for a quick smoke break or just step out to answer a phone call or do something like that just for a moment. Especially because it's right by Skid Row, so they're not likely to want to go out front to have a cigarette break. Because that's a pretty sketchy, dangerous area. Yeah. And nobody's going to admit to propping the door open because that's against the rules. So nobody's going to say, oh yeah, I left the door open, my bad. Exactly. 
So that's two easy ways that you could have gotten up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guests didn't get investigated until I think February 19th, and that was after a couple of days of guests complaining of low water pressure, really gross water, it tasted weird, it smelled bad, a lot of issues. So finally somebody went from the hotel, went up there to check, and found her body. The other problem that people talk about is how she managed to get into the water tank. They're talking about these lids being so heavy and she'd never be able to move it, let alone pull it back over her. But one, I looked at a picture and one, there might be a great big heavy lid, yes, but there's a little lid hatch that you can just flip open. Mm-hmm. The different things I've read online were that at most it would take 20 pounds of pressure to lift it up. So even a small chick could easily you know, lift and move, you know, just flip over a 20 pound thing. Yeah. That's not hard to do. So, and it's always possible that it wasn't actually closed when they found her because I've seen different pictures of the roof taken at different times and quite frequently at least one of those little hatches has been open. Mm-hmm. And it would be much easier to pull it down behind you with be working in, in your favor. Mm-hmm. The other thing is it's like, oh, it's, you know, eight feet tall. There's no way she could get up on it. Well, a lot of the pictures they show, yes. What they don't show is the part of the roof right next to it is up above it by a couple feet, like three or four feet higher. And it has a ladder, like a big old staircase leading up to it. Mm-hmm. So it'd be very easy to walk up the stairs, walk across that, and then hop down onto the water tanks. So that's where were two things that were huge Two or three things that were big factors that everyone argued or talked about. Yeah, and it still gets some skepticism today. Yeah, but those were a couple of things that I was unsure of. Uh, And then once I looked into it, I realized, okay, these aren't really as big of a deal as everybody else made it out to be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it also found that, yes, she was found naked in the water tank, but her clothing was in there with her as well as her watch and uh, room key. There's no sign of physical or uh, sexual trauma, so it doesn't look like anybody attacked her or did any other damage to her. Plus, if you think about it, those hatches are not very big, so trying to fit, trying to put a body inside them would be very, very difficult. Yeah. As well as by the, uh, there was water in her lungs, so she drowned. It wasn't as though somebody dumped a dead body in there because water doesn't get into your lungs if you're not breathing. So it very easily could be that she was in some sort of psychosis and, for whatever reason, decided to hide in there, then couldn't get out. You said her clothes were found in there, but it seems likely that she probably undressed, either on her way in or while she was in there, for whatever reason. I mean, if she was in there and struggling to get air, she may have kind of taken the clothes off because, you know, if you've ever jumped in a pool or any kind of body of water with clothes on, they're a little constricting movement. Mm -hmm. And they just mm-hmm. kind of weigh you down once they're soaked. Well, I, I don't think she... She's not likely to dr- or have suffocated like that because it's not airtight. Yeah. So just probably dying more from exhaustion than yeah. anything else. That's what I'm but saying. Yeah. Like, she could have taken the clothes off to reduce some of that exhaustion for a while. Yeah. That's assuming that she was of sound mind enough to do that because, you know, everything about this case suggests she was not of a sound mind, whether there was foul play or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I think if you're drowning, taking off something that's restricting you is relatively instinctive. Yeah. So after looking into this, it sounds like it was a 
very tragic event, but it does seem more likely that it was just drowning uh, with, like I said, bipolar as a contributing factor, a significant factor, because that's the thing that makes the most sense. I'm not really into all the paranormal stuff. I'm not discounting it, but it's not something that I really believe strongly in. But I definitely see how if somebody does believe it or has heard stories, then like you said, that will trick their mind into believing it a lot more Mm -hmm. and expecting it there or looking for it. And that's me. I'm more of the like skeptical believer. Mm -hmm. Like I do believe there are things not of this world that are left behind. And, you know, I, I believe in ghosts very skeptically. I don't go around believing every haunted story is true. You know, I like to kind of research and gather evidence, so to speak, like a, like a natural investigator would want. And until I'm kind of like, until I experience something of my own, I take it with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. But even just, you know, hearing stories of a haunted hotel and all the deaths that reside there, it could, mm-hmm. it could amp anyone up, especially someone mentally unstable off their meds. Yeah. I saw some people saying, well, how would they, why were they letting her go off and do stuff by herself if she was this sick and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, one, when somebody's on their meds, they tend to be very stable and do fine on their own. They don't need a babysitter. And two, nobody can predict that somebody's going to go off their meds. I mean, yeah, and not... there could be many different factors why someone might be off their meds. It could be you just simply forget mm-hmm. to running out of a prescription and not having the means available no, she to had... get it readily. No, she had, or you she may had just meds. Have... She yeah, had the meds you... in her hotel room, so she didn't run out. You you may just have the meds and you may just forget. Yeah. And even missing a day, just a day, can make all the difference. Even just missing a couple hours can make exactly. a huge difference. But yeah, her, her she was pretty close with her parents. They were calling her and talking to her every day because um, she's from Canada. And she was That's down right. here on her California vacation or coastal vacation or states United States vacation. One of the couple other things people were talking about is, oh, her Twitter or I think it was Twitter or something like that kept updating even after she was dead or after she went missing. It's like, well, you can set your profile and stuff to automatically update at a certain time or on facebook it'll think it'll post stuff like remember what happened a year ago five years ago reminder so that's likely what was happening is reminders or memories were popping up on that i think it was twitter but i'm not positive uh okay. I, i'm not sure i'm not familiar with twitter myself no but... me neither but my understanding is you can do something similar yeah and i wasn't able to find it but i heard some people saying that she had lost her phone. So that could also be why she was like, where's your phone? Nobody found her phone. That's proof that it got stolen. Or apparently on her Twitter, she also posted that she lost her phone. So that's why there wasn't one found with her. Very possible. So it's it is a, that. Go ahead. It's a very tragic event, all in all. It is. Part of what I find interesting, though, is one, why did this case specifically, why did this blow up and get so much media attention? Uh, well, it could do in part that uh, she was a foreigner and just the name of the case itself, especially in and geographically where it was. So, you know, something happens in L.A., it's, it's going to kind of blow up a little bit because they have 
media outlets and they're kind of a big hub, it's just going to kind of spread a little bit. But I think what it is, is a lot of it has to do with the nature of the case and just how bizarre it is. And everyone debating over, is there a foul play? Was she murdered? Or was it accidental? Was it even suicide? Just a lot of speculation. And it just, you know, when there's that much talk about it, the media is going to grab a hold of it, partly for their ratings. And I'm gonna, that's, that's my best guess anyways. Yeah. So, um, out of curiosity, does any of the stuff I told you, does that change your opinion on it at all? I mean, my overall theory is that whether, whether or not something there was interacting with her, she believed something may have been there, whether real or not of this plane, mm-hmm. which is which could explain why she was acting weird. She believed mm-hmm. something was there, which drove her probably a little bit more into psychosis and more mania and stuff. And I've experienced some of that before in dealing with my mental illnesses. And sometimes I don't even remember periods of time that go by while I'm in that state. And very well could have been that she kind of had like a blackout state and ended up mm-hmm. somewhere she didn't mean to. That's that's basically the conclusion that I came to. But uh, it's just something something was there, be it created by her or something underlying in that hotel to begin with. You know, I'm still skeptical because it's not a place I've gone and investigated myself and have had any experience with, so I can't say with any kind of certainty on my own belief. But you did mention earlier, and I wanted to ask, uh, when I mentioned that a certain fictional series about this hotel... Mm -hmm. um, I'm getting to that in just a second. Okay. I don't want to steal your thunder then. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a perfect segue. So a couple of interesting things or stuff that happened here. Um, You two performed and filmed an impromptu live concert with the Cecil in the background. The the song was Where the Streets Have No Name. And it was the uh, inspiration or the uh, setting for the the TV show American Horror Story Season 5. Yes, that is my favorite season. And that is exactly (laughs) what I thought. When you first said the name, I was like, in my brain, I was thinking, isn't that what the Hotel Cortez in the show is based off of? And then when you said the Richard Ramirez part, I was like, oh, it's gotta be. I I just Mm -hmm. couldn't remember. But all the pieces are finally being put together in my brain, and it's all coming back. And also, um, it can be seen in the background of the Blink-182 music video, The Rock Show. Blink-182 is actually one of my favorite bands. At least it was when I was young. <laughs> That's actually pretty cool. I didn't know that. Me neither. Yeah, and as far as ghosts go, on one hand, I'm really skeptical. On the other, I've felt a ghost. So I'm kind of kind of in the middle. I don't really know. The yeah. house I grew up in, um, in Santa Cruz, we had a ghost cat. Yeah, they can happen. Yeah. I and haven't personally experienced any, you know, ghost animals, but uh, I've I've had my share of a couple of ghostly encounters. Well, and the reason we knew it was a thing is people would spend the night and we didn't tell people, like we didn't say anything to them about it. Like, oh, I slept with your cat last night. Where is it? It's like, we don't have a cat. 
Yeah. And that was people that we hadn't told that we had a ghost cat, so they had no reason to expect it or think that it was there. Exactly. And just, like, basically blindness in these situations are kind of the best way to approach it sometimes. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you don't tell anyone anyone, tell anyone anything about Mm it, and, you know, it makes their experience more genuine. Like, they're not Mm -hmm. having any interference with their brain trying to conjure up something. Yeah, I definitely felt it. Like, I, it was only in the back two rooms, in my room and the guest room, even after we remodeled the room that became my room and then the guest room. It was only in those two rooms. It was still there after we remodeled the house, and... I'd be in bed, and I knew there was nothing on the foot of my bed, like no pillows, no other stuff. We didn't have a... We had a dog, but it was a bigger dog, and she wasn't in our room or on the bed. And I'd feel weight on my feet. I'd move a foot over the side, lift my toe up, no weight. Put it back. Lift my other foot off to the side, lift my feet, no weight, move back, weight. So it was very much a creepy feeling. And I know that other people have... Like, Chris has felt a jump up on him and, like, walk up his chest... Like, walk up his stomach and be on his chest. People, some people have had, you know, reported having, feeling it kneading on them or purring. It's like, I didn't have any of that. That would have freaked me out a lot more. I just had it on my feet. And now we go from ghost cats to just straight cats. And a group of kittens is called a clouder. That's like chatter, but with an L instead of an H. And it is currently kitten season. If you have the extra time, consider contacting your local SPCA or other animal rescue facility and finding out if they need help fostering kittens. It's a very rewarding opportunity and endeavor, and it's a lot of fun seeing those teeny tiny little kittens, either with their mama cat or if you're really gung-ho, raising them by yourself, uh, hand-feeding them and everything. It's very time-consuming and difficult, but very rewarding and a lot of fun. If you do happen to have the extra time because of all of the COVID stuff, consider contacting them and seeing about helping foster. We fostered a set of kittens and the mama kitty, and all four kittens were rehomed with the same family who we are still in contact with on Facebook. So we've been able to kind of watch them grow up and get updates and pictures, and it's really cute. And it, like I said, it's a very rewarding, very fun endeavor to do. Please feel free to email me at murdersmysteriesandmeows at gmail.com and check us out on Facebook at Murders, Mysteries, and Meows. That is Murders, Mysteries, and Meows, no spaces or punctuation, at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Talk to you later. Bye.